So, hi everyone, and thank you once again for joining us on today's podcast here on the Pure Digital Passion Podcast with Moses Kemibaro. And today is a gentleman that I have known for a number of years, predominantly on LinkedIn, as it turns out. We haven't interacted very recently, but apparently we might have had drinks and hung out a few times a few years ago when he was at the time starting up this model that eventually became Coco Networks. And I'm very pleased to have with us Greg Murray, who's the founder and CEO of a company called Coco Networks, who are very much in the space of providing you know, a clean energy solution for cooking, predominantly to people in the lower income segments in the market in Kenya, and predominantly operating within the Nairobi space uh, as it were right now. So welcome and thank you for joining us, Greg. Thanks, Moses. It's great to be here. So I think it's going to be interesting because you sound like a guy who clearly has an English background. You know, probably you're not a Kenyan native from the past. So I'm just curious to understand a little bit more about who you are. You know, how did you get here? How did this business start? And more importantly, what was the inspiration behind the spark uh, that became Coco Networks? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so I'm 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 an Australian uh, entrepreneur. Australian. Uh, has, <laughs> I got yeah, that accent completely wrong. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a it's a softer accent because um, the Australian accent's quite quite flat um, and difficult for people to understand. So it's softened over the years. But now I'm an Aussie, uh, originally from Sydney, and and have been um, you know folk living and, and working uh, in emerging markets for the last twenty years. Um, so in in uh, in Africa, Asia, Latin America, Middle East, um, really the bulk of my career, and uh, most of that time have been. Uh, building ventures, um, uh, and so, uh, and my background is is sort of, um, you know, accounting, finance, entrepreneurship. Um, uh, so I'm not I'm not a technical founder. I'm, I'm more on the commercial side of things, the business development uh, side of things. And uh, and I have three other co-founders at at Coco, um, uh, uh, Sagun, Nick, Nick, and Mikhail. Uh, and yeah, we we set this uh, set this business up um, in uh, in 2014. Um, uh, we, we, we moved, uh, we immigrated to East Africa and set up the business, um, yeah, a long time ago now, uh, uh, focused on, uh, yeah, focused on, uh, solving, uh, you know, this, this big, uh, problem, this huge market opportunity. And yeah, it's been quite a ride. So what was, what was the inspiration? I mean, how did this all start? I imagine, you know, you have a fairly diverse background. You probably have done a number of things. You've been here since, you know, running this since 2014, which means, you know, in what the year seven, year eight now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's um, you're eight, you're nine. That's right. It's it's uh, it's been a long journey. I mean, it's it's um, we, you know, we we, I, I, my first venture um on the continent was down in Mozambique, looking at the same market opportunity, but without technology. Um, it was looking at you know, is is it possible to, uh, to basically um clean up the uh, experience of everyday cooking. Um, which is which is in in the bulk of sub-Saharan Africa is something that's extremely destructive um, from an environmental perspective, from a family health perspective. You know, things like charcoal and and uh, and kerosene and and wood. Uh, the vast vast majority of uh, of of cooking in Kenya, it's about eighty six percent of households um, today cook with dirty fuels, and it drives massive deforestation. It drives um, uh, it drives four hundred deaths per week in Kenya. Is this from inhalation or how? From, from, yeah, from indoor air pollution associated with dirty cooking fuel. That's, that's mainly the women and young girls. About oh. 50% of those deaths per week are kids under five from uh, pneumonia oh, and no. acute lower respiratory infections. And so it's actually killed a lot more people in Kenya than, than, than COVID. 
but it's the same sort of death. You, you drown in your own lungs. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's really nasty. So you've got this, you know, you got this baseline of this sort of very basic everyday activity called cooking um, that's dominated by um, by dirty fuels that are, you know, that are taking people out. That are taking out the forest. You know, Kenya's drying out as a as a nation. Um, it's a very arid place. The majority of Kenya, as you know, and so, you know, so you've got this sort of downward spiral driven by um, by this this basic need to cook, and uh, and it's a very bifurcated market. Rich people um, that hang around in Lavington and Karen and so on, they cook with LPG, and then and then uh, and then the vast majority of the market is cooking with dirty fuels. And so and so we we you know we we looked at that and we looked at it across um, you know across sub-Saharan Africa. It's it's something like uh, if you just looked at charcoal, which is the the, the largest part of urban cooking, it's about a thirty billion dollar annual spend on. Uh, on charcoal, and that's increasing exponentially as the forests run away, um, and the and the commodity price increases as a result of um, you know it's a restore, resource depletion market, right? And so we we looked at that and said, well, that's a pretty stupid way to put energy into food in this day and age. Um, we've got to find a better way. Um, it's it's really important uh, for for humanity uh, when it comes to the forest protection in Africa. It's really important for the dignity of, of of humans that are cooking every day. That there's a that there's a better option, and there didn't seem to be really any other options. That could really scale into the mass market. LPG is a good fuel, but it's it's um, it's very expensive. Uh, the infrastructure around the compressed gas is very expensive, and uh, and it hasn't scaled into the mass market in uh, other than through you know really significant um, subsidies, government subsidies that are just not possible given the treasury reality in a lot of the, a lot of markets such as Kenya. Yeah, and so we we said okay, you know maybe there's a maybe there's a clean fuel. Um, we looked at ethanol uh, commodity. Interesting candidate, and uh, you know, ten years ago now, uh, we did a proof of concept down in Mozambique, and then as a result of the consumer traction from that, we said, okay, what if we could, what if we could um, find a way to radically de, what if we could leverage the existing downstream infrastructure for uncompressed flammable liquids that exists, what if we could find a way directly retail to consumers, and cut out a lot of the logistics um, inefficiency, the um, working capital inefficiencies, what if we could. So we had a lot of questions, ultimately making it um, faster, cheaper, safer, better, um, and uh, and then and then you know scaling into this just huge market. And there's a billion dollar. You know that's that's a, that's a pretty interesting segment for us. And of course we we you know we, we've 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 uh, been part of and, and understand how the carbon markets work, and so a big opportunity to um, utilize. You know the the burgeoning international carbon markets to you know fundamentally um, drive uh, the affordability um, you know the, the retail pricing further and further lower and so that's that's basically how how it all came together it was um, a set of big ideas um, of course uh, the the um, uh, you know ideas don't really get you very far um, we we realised that. Um, we'd have to build a whole lot of technology. We'd have to write legislation. We'd have to, um, you know, build hardware and software, build factories. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 not just an app. It's really quite. Um, you know, we've got to build an industry. And and uh, so we we took a very long term view. We said it's going to be you know 10, 15, 20 years sort of journey. Um, what, you know, do we want to commit ourselves to doing this? And decided to have a have a swing at it. Um, first five years um, uh, pre revenue. Yeah, we had, in fact, we had 500 staff before we had any revenue, wow. um, uh, and and it's, uh, you know, and we were in stealth for most of that time. Um, uh, we've had to build, you know, it's one of the, those sort of companies that you usually don't get permission. 
in, in emerging and frontier markets because it's involved a lot of sort of deep tech R&D. You know, hardware is hard, particularly in, in, in places that don't have strong hardware um, uh, invention ecosystems like Kenya, you know, doesn't have yeah. a lot of uh, the equipment and, and so on. Um, so but we and then, of course, getting getting you know, getting investors to understand the market context. Often there's a, you know, often investors, foreign investors are very context dumb, smart people, but context dumb, don't quite understand cooking energy markets don't kind of quite understand uh, you know financial ecosystem or or, or uh, you know retail ecosystem so a lot of sort of um you know a lot of uh, challenges being capital formation together getting you know you know a great team that's come together now you know building a manufacturing facilities once we actually had stabilized the hardware and gotten to you know figure out this different stuff we've invented so it's been a, been a journey and then we we launched um you know we launched the Nairobi network um, in Q4 2019, uh, and uh, and then got you know, then got smacked with a like we all did. Um, uh, so it's been uh, which, which was which was quite quite tricky to, to navigate. Um, and uh, but yeah, really last year, you know, last year we we um, we hit our straps. We we grew uh, the subscriber base by about 450 percent, and we're continuing wow. to grow, sort of um, you know exponentially. Now it's about a thousand new households a day that are coming onto the platform. So it sounds to me like in spite of the pandemic, I mean, there was a real and strong demand for something like this, isn't it? I mean, the numbers suggest that there was this pent up demand for an alternative, right? Yeah, it, it, that's right. I mean, it's it's um, we've we've clearly got sort of product market fit and it's really a supply side problem we're solving now, you know, building additional manufacturing facilities. So it's a question of that you're actually outstripping your capacity to supply the product. It's been that way for some time. Wow. Um, and and, uh, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's now, you know, it's it's sort of lock and tackle building um, of, of downstream distribution networks to enable greater proximity to customers um, and uh, and then expanding a hardware manufacturing, you know, uh, doing a lot of the early stage work in new countries. We'll make some announcements in the coming months around that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, we've 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 cracked the problem, and uh, and it's um, now it's sort of just it's it's build time. You know, it's it's really uh, all of that sort of um, early stage investment in figuring out what hardware and software and, and operating systems and processes manufacturing. You know, paying off. The more you talk, the more I feel that it sounds like this is very much a technology led business. You know, you're talking about software, you're talking about hardware. Mm-hmm. You're talking about manufacturing, and I'm curious to understand, you know, kind of like the model, because I believe you have the cooker, you have the fuel, you have uh, cocoa points, you have a mobile app. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that all comes together? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so the first thing to 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 sort of consider is that, you know, cooking fuel is a fast-moving consumer good. Yeah, you, you need to use cooking fuel every day. So think of it in the same way that you might think of um, milk or vegetable oil or Coca-Cola, cigarettes, uh, scratch cards, mobile money agents. You know, the one of the one of the really critical things is proximity to the customer. You know, charcoal's available in every street corner. Um, yeah, and so uh, you know, the 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 problem that we were solving is how do you get a flammable liquid available within a short walk of everybody's front door? Um, uh, available in small um, bundle sizes because, of course, we're dealing in the 
which you know is the Kidogo economy, yes. uh, which means yes. the sort of small and little people need to buy. You know, we, we, we sell our fuel in 30, 30 cent bundles as the minimum bundle. Um, so you've got to get this super, you know, it's, it's flammable liquid. That's the point of it. And you've got to do it really safely. Um, so that was, a, that was a set of sort of design challenges that we set out to solve for. And, 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 and so the, the, um, the, at, at the small shop, the, we, we've, we have about a thousand um, shopkeeper partners, Cocoa agents. It's an agent model like Equity Bank has or like with a We call cocoa points go inside the shop they're about um two meters tall 65 centimeters wide you know about the, the size of a tall thin coke fridge is the way to think of it and so they go inside the shop we punch a hole in the wall of the shop we put an external um, refilling box where you can put a, a fuel line in and a vapor recovery line out right and so that that becomes a retail point um just like putting a cash atm into a new york 7-eleven you know, that's, that's the same model. Right? So we put that in, we, we signed an agreement with the agent. Um, and then uh, the customer experience is they, they walk, you know, 100, 200 meters from their front door. They go to this cocoa agent shop with their special canister, their, their cocoa canister, which they get with their two burner cooker. And they dock their canister into the fuel ATM. There's an NFC chip embedded into the neck of the canister, which recognizes them. It says, hi, Moses, please enter your pin, checks the cloud, says, okay, you've got 300 bob worth of cocoa credit, which you've bought, right, which you've bought with Lipanon and Peso. You've, you've paid cash to the agent and he sideloaded you, right? And so, and then you're able to buy 30 bob or 50 bob or 100 bob, whatever. And it dispenses the fuel very safely. It plays targeted interactive video messaging um, uh, around uh, whether it's safety or cooking tips or indeed other you know, ads from from uh, from other companies. Um, and so that's that's and then you walk home the last uh, and you and you refill your stove and you're able to get the um, you know very clean. It's mainly just uh, just water vapor that's coming out. Um, the, the same sort of experience that you have with LPG. Um, blue flame, you know, you're able to regulate the heat output, uh, and uh, but the point is that the, um, the the appliance cost, the fuel cost, and the bundle size are all significantly lower than LPG, uh, and they're and they're much lower than charcoal, for example, competitive with kerosene. Yeah, so that's that that's the consumer experience. And so okay, so you've got these fuel ATMs. They've got 350 liter tank inside them. We've got a thousand of them, um, uh, you know, across the across the city. This dense network. And of course, you've got to get the fuel into them. And so we have this fleet of micro tankers. We have about 30 of these, what we call smart micro tankers, which have about 5,000 liters. And they have one of our pieces of hardware on the back. We call it a smart tanker system. And that and those tanker systems do the last mile to deliver uh, the fuel from the shell stations through to, uh, through to the, the fuel ATM. So we have a partnership with um, Vivo Energy in Kenya, which is the company that licenses the Shell brand across Africa. And so they own and operate all Shell branded stations in, in Kenya. And so the fuel is actually stored underneath uh, certain Shell stations, about 15 of them uh, that we have so far, where there's dedicated underground tanks. And then we have a piece of cocoa hardware on top of the petrol station. We call it a smart depot system. Uh, and so all of these pieces of network hardware are connected to the cocoa cloud. Um, and there's a range of um, uh, internal and external apps to enable this ecosystem to work. You know, if you think about um, this wicked logistics problem of, of, of trying to keep, you know, a thousand um, points of presence um, constantly on, uh, you know, never running out of fuel, that's the objective, um, you know, and they've got variable depletion rates 
um, and you've got this network of you know small trucks that are doing the back and forth, you can't really do it without software. And we've had to build it from first principles. Um, you can't do it with clipboards. You can't do it with an order deliver model. You know, it's a push model. We own the fuel inside the fuel ATMs. We directly retail to the customer. There's no working capital constraints. We understand real-time inventory. There's 15 cocoa points that are sending millions of data. A telco, a telco knock that's managing telco base stations. Well, it's the same logic, in fact, designed in the same manner to manage this smart endpoints of uh, of EMs to ensure that that everybody's got convenient everyday access to fuel. And so, a sense of um, a sense of the complexity. So we've had to we've had to sort of invent all this hardware, manufacture it at scale, operate and manage it. We, we call ourselves a network operator in Kenya. That's operating business um, in order to the experience for customers fantastic um, you know significant increase in quality of life um, significant improvement in family health as a result of getting dirty fields out of the house and importantly a significant reduction in, in daily expenditure and so that's that's the plan sorry as I was listening to you and I, I didn't read at some point I was wondering am I hearing about uh, you know, a company providing a clean energy solution for cooking, or is this an IT company? Because it sounds to me that at the very heart and core uh, of this model is really technology, and that if you don't have that, then you can't actually operate the business. Correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. We we own, we we've invented, we have the IP around, patented um, the core technology that enables this thing to work. You know, the end result is low cost, um, super safe, uh, ultra clean cooking fuel. Um, but the the tech required to get that to happen is a, is a huge lift. You know, we, we have an extraordinary breadth of um, hardware and software technologies developed from first principles um, in order to make this happen. And as a result, you know, as a result, um, yeah, the, the, you know, the, the, the sort of the inbound in, in inquiries we have from you know groups across the world that, that see this dirty cooking fuel space massive pain point in 60 to 80 countries that have this problem and uh you know and folks are keen to license our technology to enable themselves to, to build their own network operators that's part of the, the sort of the long-term play um but yet yeah, it is a, it is a um we're a retail platform company is the way to think about it um, yeah. we're happy to be retailing you know one one fast moving consumer good which is which is this flammable liquid um but actually uh you know there's uh we we, we quite not so quite but we, we've soft launched um a second line of business, really an expansion of our retail business recently. So of the thousand shops that we have, about a hundred of them now are in soft launch, uh, doing a, a wide range of fast moving consumer goods, flour, maize meal, milk, sugar, etc. Yeah, And so it's the same logic. We've been able to use technology to lower prices, prices to consumers doing it through doing a, a direct to consumer e-retail model um, with the support of shopkeepers rather than the idea of selling to shopkeepers. Um, that's basically the business, you know, we've done it for fuel and now we're doing it for, for you, know, uh, you know, a lot of other basic goods that we also see, uh, you know, fundamentally um, the, the retail prices are too high because of the inefficiency of neighborhood retail. Like we solved neighborhood retail, the big problems for one particular category. Now we're just expanding our categories into a whole range of other foodstuffs. It's completely brilliant. Oh my God, I'm so glad we're having this interview because, you know, I'm really seeing the aptness of the phrase Coco Networks, right? You're, you see yourselves literally as a network and then you're able to layer on or overlay different propositions using that IP and infrastructure that you've actually put in place, right? Well, that's right. I mean, we have, um, 
you know, we have uh, uh, Nairobi's largest, Kenya's largest chain of branded convenience stores. We have a big consumer brand. We have 15% of Nairobi households uh, cook with us every day. Um, and uh, we have warehouses and two fleets of trucks, um, great shopkeeper partners. You know, so what else should we do with that, right? And and it would seem it would seem to be, you know, you know, leaving um, leaving opportunity on the table um, from from an impact perspective, from a financial perspective, if we were to just leave it uh, focused on fuel. And so yeah, we, we do see it. And from the outset, it's been uh, you know the plan has been to build a pretty broad based retail platform that's able to deliver physical and digital goods and services to the mass market. There are a couple of things I wanted to ask you about, which I think also quite novel about your model, which is I think. Unless I'm mistaken, uh, first of all, you have a mobile app. I'd like to know a little bit more about how that works. And then secondly, I think you have some sort of affiliate model as well. So I wanted to know whether maybe you can share a little bit about those two aspects. Sure. Um, yeah, so so we have we have a range of apps, but the external one that you're, you're referring to is the, the customer app. So customers can, um, can, they don't need a smartphone to access, um, to become a customer. All they need is a phone number. Um, they don't even need M-Pesa uh, access anymore. We, we started off with M-Pesa only, but now people can also pay cash to the agent, and and, uh, and in order to in order to buy Coca credit um, uh, from the agent. And so, um, yeah, basically the app is for folks that do have smartphones, and there's a lot out there. They're able to better manage their relationship with with Coco. You know, we're a we're a we're a retail company. They're subscribers that are buying um, you know buying stuff from us on a regular basis. And so, uh, and so that's that's um, that's part of the experience. Um, the yeah, the referral or affiliate model is is um, is logical. People, um, you know, word of mouth is really really important in this market. And you know, most of the word of mouth is 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 very much um, you know offline, right? It's it's if your sister, your neighbor, your best friend, your mother has um, you know bought a solution with Coco and has had a good experience. And everybody, you know, everybody's in each other's homes, right? Everybody, everybody cooks together and eats together, and so it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the the positive word of mouth we have is why we have such strong um, demand. Um, but yeah, we, we do incentivize customers and say, okay, look, if you if you want to go and, you know, sell to your your estate, for example, then uh, you, you know we're happy to pay commissions for that, and they've already got the the, the cooker, right? And and, and uh, so they've got the tools required to sell, and uh, you know, and so that's that's the logic of that, yeah. So I think the big news um, that again happened about a week ago was I think you announced uh, online that um, Coco Networks now has uh, something uh, around uh, 350,000 paying customers. And I wanted to understand, you know, maybe some of the drivers behind that impressive growth. You know, I mean, that's a that's a big number, you know, and especially when you think about it being predominantly, you know, in Nairobi, I think you just mentioned that up to 50% of cooking now in this area is now happening uh, through a Coco product. Um, could you tell us a little more about how that number was achieved and you know some of the key drivers behind that? Mm. Yeah, sorry, I said I said fifteen one five percent of homes in Nairobi. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's have have purchased a cooker and are buying fuel from us, and and we recently set up in um, in Mombasa uh, in November. So we built a network there, and we're we're doing a rollout now across the rest of the country. Um, you know, you know, surely and steadily um, achieving urban coverage, and we'll be looking at rural after that. But uh, but yeah, the the um, you know, how is it how is it working? I think um, I think it's a it's a combination of um, you know one product market fit, but things don't 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 sell themselves, right? This is a 
you know, at the end of the day, it's a consumer appliance. Um, it's not an impulse purchase, right? So it is a considered purchase, even though it's it's uh, we've we've been able to make it, um, you know, very low cost. The the point is, it's you know, it's not like buying a pack of gum. Uh, and so it's usually a multi-touch point experience. And you know, the the shopkeeper, the agent, is really at the centre of that because you're not going to go and buy an appliance if you can't if you don't know where you're going to get the fuel from on a regular basis, right? And if you're not comfortable with that. You know that that's solid. You know, if, if, if it was some flavonoid company, then maybe I'm not going to buy the appliance, right? So you need a brand, um, the trust relationship between a shopkeeper and 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 the customers of that shopkeeper in that neighbourhood is really important. Uh, and so, you know, so actually, um, so 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 that's part of it. Um, and then it's it's really our team. You know, we've we've built a we've built an, an amazing team. You know, the commercial team, um, uh, which which is both direct customer sales as well as um, as well as uh, agent network management for agent-based sales. The, the, the vast majority of our sales actually occur by our shopkeeper partners that are demonstrating and persuading and signing up new subscribers. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, um, so think of it as a sort of a distributed agent-based sales, you know, frontline sales and customer service. And of course, that we have we have our own direct of the field sales team that 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 uh, that, that uh, do a fantastic job in their marketing and customer service. We've got our own call center plus field-based customer service folks. So we really lean into the customer experience a lot, and that creates that positive word of mouth and makes makes everybody's life a little bit easier uh, and enables us to get to this state now where we are. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's over a thousand uh, a day in new new households that are buying from us and signing up. Yeah. No, those are just, I mean, stunning numbers. I mean, uh, I'm listening to this and I'm almost like, am I in the same Nairobi? I, I'm just like stunned. Uh, that's level of adoption. But I think what, also what I'm hearing is that there's a lot of, can I call it human-led or people-led growth. It's about the, the relationships on the ground, the the sentiment, you know, people talking well about the product and how it's essentially transforming their lives, right? That's correct. You know, we're, we, we are a technology company, but we're also an operating company, you know, and, and, and those two things, um, when, when they're put together well, um, uh, uh, you know, can create um, huge um, synergy, huge uh, cost efficiencies. Um, and and, uh, and so, you know, if, if we were sort of to take, oh, well, we're, we're just a tech company and and try and, you know, try and sort of design a, a business that, that was entirely sort of just tech oriented um, without having that sort of operating muscle, it wouldn't work. You know, it's, it's, it's still about um, human to human interactions, um, now it's sensible for those humans to be the existing shopkeepers. Why would we? Why would we try and build a home delivery, you know, order deliver type system for an appliance, or, or, uh, or, or, or even worse, for fuel, right? For a fast moving consumer good, that would be really expensive. So what we, what we recognised is that these, um, the, the, the sort of the dukas, the small shops of, of Nairobi, they're, they're not a problem to be solved. They're a major asset. Uh, so we go and we team up with with entrepreneurs with the shop with the owners of these shops and we um we figure out a commercial arrangement that's really attractive for them gives them new lines of income gives them new footfall um, but it also from our perspective uh you know is is uh, gives us the sort of frontline presence that is required in this market you know everybody gets excited about all the smartphone adoption but you, you wouldn't want to build you know an app only uh, company i think still at this stage of the market because um you know app adoption you know, you'd be limiting yourself to a certain subset of the market, right? Uh, it, it versus, you know, we 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 don't we don't force our consumers to um, adopt technology that is not delivering a massive 
um, cost saving or quality of life experience. That's the logic, right? The whole crossing from the from the early adopters to the mass market. You've got to be significantly ch uh, cheaper uh, than the competition, which is the dirty fuels. And then you've also got to deliver a significant sort of quality of life up upgrade. And those two things together are why we've been able to scale. Absolutely. I see a lot of parallels between what you're doing with possibly, you know, how M-Pesa became so popular. You know, I mean, I remember growing up uh, and when I was a young adult doing the classic Kenyan thing, which was, you know, sending money home to your family. Um, and I remember seeing the different iterations where, you know, the first phase of that was you put money in, a, in, a, in an envelope on a bus and hope it got there. And then you, you know, you bank it in Nairobi and hopefully your mom in Mombasa will get it in a bank account. And then when, you know, M-Pesa came about, it was literally the idea that, you know, she took like 10 steps from the house and there was an M-Pesa dealer and she would be able to get, um, you know, money without having to, you know, get in a car and go to the bank and all that or an ATM. So, you know, but that proximity just completely transformed the dynamics um, of sending money, you know, and I feel like there's some very strong parallels around how that works with MPES and what you're doing with Coco Networks. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've certainly learned a lot, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants that have figured out some of these um, important um, lessons about how to be successful in this operating environment. And, and you know, Safaricom and MPESA and, and other, other companies, you know, Equity Bank's another one, you know, very successful agent uh, approach to financial services that fundamentally transformed a small building society into a, into a you know, you know, very large scale bank. You know, these are, these are, um, the, these are excellent companies that have done, you know, amazing things. And so, look, that's what good looks like. How, how do you, how do you do that with something that's, um, you know, that's that's, uh, for for example, with physical commodities? How do you do it with something that's you know, flammable, right? I mean, that that's, uh, that, but but the 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 insights that we're able to glean from um, the the services companies that. Um, uh, that you know decided that you know it wouldn't have worked for you know Mpesa or Safaricom or Equity if they decided to stay in their big buildings and not actually go and hit the streets and get that capillarity all the way through to you know ten steps from your front door as you suggest right so, so that's that's what's required I mean the, the if you think about um you know fast moving consumer goods um, you, know, you think about the retail ecosystem a lot of a lot of suppliers in this market it's it's they have to go and you know, go into the, the general trade, into the mass market, because it's 70% of their actual sales volumes, but they have a huge headache in trying to figure out that, you know, it's very data dark. Um, you know, there's lots of intermediaries, there's lots of working capital blockages. Shopkeepers average cost of credit is like 30% per month. It's outrageous, right? And so all of that's going to transfer, translate into higher retail prices. And, you know, and then people say, oh, why is it that poor people will, will you know, will pay higher retail price? Why don't they, why don't they go up to Carrefour or Naivas? Why don't they get on a you know, Matatu and on a minibus and go and go to the, the, the shop where there's lower prices, 10% cheaper prices uh, from the modern retail. And the answer is because of informal, you know, the informal economy, right? Everybody's informally employed. And so if you've, if you've got to leave your fruit and veg shop um, for, for two hours a day in order to go and do your shopping, then there's two hours less income, right? And so the actual, the actual inflated um, costs of neighborhood retail um, are, are there because of the nature of the uh, the the nature of the income streams of the populace, right? And and uh, you know people don't have salaries in general, right? They're they're hustling and 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 putting putting food on the table on a day by day. Yeah. 
there's those sort of insights. We said, okay, well, we've got to, you know, it's a foot-based retail economy um, for fast-moving consumer goods. Uh, we've got to get super close to customers. We've got to learn from the, you know, banking and telco giants that have that have uh, that have delivered you know, a huge amount of impact and 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 financial returns. You know, how do we do that with fuel? How do we do that with food? How do we do that with other other things that we intend to launch off the platform? That's sort of the logic. Awesome, awesome. I really love that. I mean, it's really sounds to me like there's a really holistic approach to everything around what Coco Networks is doing and also borrowing on insights from I think other industry leaders like you said equity banks and Paricom and how you know you penetrate that segment of the market and, and make distribution very aff uh, affordable uh, you make um, you know you make the partnerships on the ground you know you de-risk it uh, for the retail I really love all the different aspects to this which brings me to my next question um, you know, obviously you're on a good roll, you know, everything's looking fantastic. You've talked about, you know, 450% growth uh, last year. Um, where do you see this going in the next two to five years? Yeah, good question. So there's, um, you know, there's really sort of growth on, on two fronts. There's, there's geographic expansion. Um, so we've, we've got to continue just rolling out the networks and that's within Kenya, as well as beyond Kenya into new countries. And uh, like I said earlier, there's 60 to 80 countries in the world across Africa, Asia, Latin America um, that need these networks that have a dirty cooking fuel uh, crisis, really. And uh, and so, you know, can we um, uh, can we basically uh, make the right decisions about where to go, with whom? Can we convince the governments uh, that, that that regulate those countries to create the enabling policy? You know, we had we had we had to you know, write legislation. It was a long long uh, slog. Can we do that more quickly in other places? Um, so, so the geographic expansion is definitely, um, you know, definitely a huge part of it. Um, and then there's, um, and then there's really uh, uh, basically uh, expanding um, the service offering or the solution offerings within existing networks. Yes, so sort of going deeper um, and being able to serve more and more of the customer wallet um, and being able to, you know, deliver. You know, the, the the promise of the the broader retail platform we call it Coco Club uh, and, and members members sign up you know is is uh, you know, now being delivered at about a hundred shops but we're able to we're able to to drop the um, cost of 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 shopping right of, of your everyday basic goods you know, imagine if you could give you know the entire city an effective pay rise by dropping their cost of cost of food right that's the logic of it and so we. We're going to lean into that, um, and and uh, we see that uh, being potentially a, a really big part of the business uh, in, in the next few years. Um, Team-wise, you know, three years ago we had about a hundred staff. Today it's about twelve hundred staff, and uh, uh, and we think it's um, we think it's sort of four or five x um, growth from a, just a straight team perspective over the next uh, three years. Um, so that that's a that's a heavy lift um, in terms of finding the right talent and making sure that the machine is built in the right way um and then uh yeah so, so it's 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 uh, a lot of um a lot of hard work but a lot of fun uh, we see less um uncertainty than we did in years gone by uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of investors historically uh, would look at our business and go this is really weird you know are these guys really going to make it to day one and actually earn revenue and uh, we don't get those sort of questions anymore you know now you know and how quickly and uh, there, there, there. You know, it's fair to say that the, there's a range of answers to those questions. But, uh, but yeah, it, it is working, and we're in sort of growth, growth scaling mode now. No, wonderful. I, I really love, I love the Coco Network story. I mean, everything you've shared here is just, 
pure gold in terms of you know what you've come through and um, what you've achieved and it probably brings me essentially to my last question for you because i think at the end of the day i think there must be some massive lessons you come to a market like africa or kenya uh, you create a you know innovate uh, an entire hardware business uh, distribution network you know uh, technology driven processes you have to build a you know storage facilities so imagine you're using you know iot and all this stuff but i imagine that there's probably two or three or four lessons learned um you know in terms of you know this journey um and i would love to hear you know whether you know the joys and challenges you know are there sort of you know any specific things that come to mind top of mind around you know building this business and and maybe any words of advice uh, to people who have ideas you know that would like to innovate in the marketplace yeah well um it's been uh, it's been a long journey so i'm trying to trying to pick out uh, it's been tons of challenges and occasional joys um uh uh, I mean, I'd, I'd um, I, I probably I'd, I'd start with um, uh, you know the, the 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 things we've learned. It's it's really the importance of um, starting all the way with the customer, um, dropping all your assumptions about the customer, and just listening, and uh, and try to figure out you know what the real pain points of of, of the customers are, and then having having this um, we, we didn't have any preconceived idea about the solution. We we, we learned from customers about what it is. That they'd actually want, and then we figured out how we we build um, uh, with a pretty broad lens. We weren't sort of scared of getting into hardware. We weren't scared of building software. We weren't scared of the fact that we'd have to, um, you know, we'd have to write entirely new legislation and build the regulatory framework um, to make this industry work. And, and so, um, so having a, a very broad exploratory sort of um, an R and D focused mindset, not not trying to sort of copy paste models that might have worked um, in entirely different consumer or retail ecosystems abroad into into this market um, that was really important um, challenges um, I think uh, when you're doing something that's really new and that there isn't a the capacity to you know pattern match um, you know that, that there's been you know there's a belief curve um, uh, you know, and and I see it with investors. I see it with our own team members. I see it with sort of you know stakeholders in the community. You know, some people um, can can immediately see what we're trying to do even before we do it, and uh, they've got a bit more imagination perhaps, and or they know the the market context really well, and so they're sort of true believers early on. Other people really just want to see you know hard results and, and scale before they start to actually believe. You know, and and uh, and so it's just human nature, right? But uh, I think that's been one of the big challenges, particularly you know before we launched the network, was just getting people to believe. Um, and uh, you know the the sort of mountains that we've had to climb. Um, you know, team members. You know, we did a we did a soft launch in 2017 with just a thousand households, and the team members that were you know that were tasked with doing that thought that was a huge mountain. And now we're doing a thousand households a day, right? And people, you know, people disregard that as normal now within the company. Um, and and uh, you know so so and that, that's because they believe now because they've seen it right so it's, it's getting it's sort of tackling that belief um, curve um, with 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 folks that's one of the um, big challenges but also when it happens when people start to see it because it's it's really intuitive on the ground um, you know that's a joy as well right that's that's a huge joy um, team um, team is the most important uh, we've we've. You know, one of the reasons we chose to invest first in Kenya because it, it, you know, we, we felt and it's been validated that you can have just amazing talent come together here um, uh, versus other countries in the region. Perhaps uh, we've 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 felt and, and we've validated that we can build 
you know, there's 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 Kenyan engineers that, that are listed on the patents that we've invented you know, for the stuff we've invented. You know, there's real, you know, we get mechatronics engineers out of JQuad. We we've we've have software engineers and hardware guy, you know, you know, knock technicians and you know, there's just a lot of um, you know, a lot of really good talent. Um, and and if you can, you know, build a machine for finding that talent, bringing it on, training it up on the role on, on the job as well, um, and uh, and then and then having a you know, reasonably open um, uh, culture and innovation focused culture. Um, you know, that's been a huge joy. You know, it's been great. Um, you know, tricky the last two years, uh, given given uh, the, the virus and a lot of people being remote and so on. But uh, but, a, but a wonderful, um, you know, a wonderful joy has been uh, seeing this team come together and seeing them all do things that you know ultimately wouldn't be possible um, uh, uh, you know, back when it was just PowerPoints and prototypes. Great, Greg, thank you so much for your time and for your insights. I think this was a wonderful conversation. I feel so educated about what Coco Networks is doing. I think I went in with some preconceived notions before we had this conversation. I think I have a much clearer picture of what you're doing and I can see really the, the, the strength of the disruption you're bringing to the market. And, you know, I just want to wish you well. I think you guys are on the right track. I can't wait to see, you know, Cocoa Networks expanding, you know, in other African markets, other regions in Kenya, and also going uh, beyond the content. Because I think the problem you're solving is quite significant and quite relevant. And I think there's a, you know, of course, it's a commercial agenda, but I think it's almost like um, what I call a human, um, you know, like we talk about the internet nowadays, a basic human right. People should not die uh, because of how they cook food. You know, people should not get sick or have, uh, livelihood issues because of that, but I think um, the underpinning philosophy uh, behinding, uh, behind your business, uh, Coco Networks, is amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm just wishing you all the best and, and thank you so much for your time and, and your, your candid uh, insights on what this business is doing in the market. Thanks. Thanks, Moses, for the opportunity and great to catch up. Hopefully we get to we can do that in person soon. Absolutely. Thank you and have a good day. Bye. All right. Cheers. Bye.